Hello and welcome to the Otter Podcast. I'm your host, Madison Page, and it is the most wonderful time of the year. It's the Otter's first Christmas, and to ring in the season of giving, we are giving you a big bunch of nightmares. From a singing horse skull to a fashion-forward murder cat, we are bringing you Christmas pudding with a side of spooks. Today on the Otter, we talk Christmas monsters and what you can do to appease them. Gather round and bundle up as we get warm and toasty and possibly roasted for dinner. Let's go! Merry Christmas! Happy Hanukkah! Good holidays to you and yours as we wrap up the year. For the returning listeners, welcome back. And for the new listeners, welcome, welcome to the Otter Podcast, where we are a trail mix bag of all things unknown, unsolved, and just plain odd. I hope everyone is happy and healthy and able to spend their holiday however best comforts them. It is the time of lights, sugary sweets, and the fat man in Coca-Cola commercials. And it is a record year for cold, single-digit temperature records this year, so it is going to be a frigid Christmas day. So bundle up, bring in your outdoor pets, and also check in with your friends and neighbors. The holidays are a trying time for mental health. I hope everyone enjoyed last week's listener request about the hidden cities in Death Valley and the giant mummies. I do take requests for episodes, so if you want your own personalized episode, you can send me an email at theotterpod at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you and know what you want to hear from me. I am also fighting a cold, so if my voice sounds kind of off, I apologize. Today is a special treat for everyone, as we will delve into some of the most well-known Christmas monsters. No jolly fat man and babies and mangers here, we're talking switches and goblins and goose-footed dolls. You better hope you were good this year because naughty listeners don't just get coal in their stocking, they're liable to have their guts cut open and stuffed with trash and straw. It's a merry monster Christmas time on the Otter, so let's not push it off any longer. We are coming down your chimney, cloven hooves and all. Twas the night before Christmas, well, not really, twas more like December 5th or 6th, and all the little children were snug in their beds. They were bundled and trundled and snuggled in tight, awaiting the arrival of St. Nicholas that night. All the good children would wake to chocolate and walnuts to shell, while all the bad children would be stuffed in a sack and dragged down to hell. And who was doing this dragging? Why, none other than the goat-legged Christmas horror himself, Krampus. Often depicted as a tall, black-furred goat man with spindling horns and a whip-like red tongue, this festive terror is quickly becoming a regular on the alternative Christmas scene. Krampus is an old dude. Dating back to pre-Christian Alpine traditions, Krampus is believed to be the result of the Catholic Church sticking its foot where it doesn't belong. Prior to its involvement, pagans in the Alpine region would dress as devilish figures known as perched, which were two-legged humanoid goats with giraffe-like necks. They wore these costumes and marched in a parade known as Perchtenlaufen. The Catholic Church, seeing these devilish customs, banned the parades, but due to sparse populations and rugged environments, these bans were not really enforceable. This led to a separate approach where St. Nicholas was introduced, and the parades became a tale of his good morals. The perched were transformed into Krampus, who were made to be subjected to St. Nicholas's will. The perched in Laufen would lead to the modern-day Krampuslauf, or Krampus run, in which young men dress as Krampus and attempt to scare audiences with pranks and tricks. These events still occur 
annually in alpine towns. Unlike the jolly fat man of the North Pole who both distributes gifts to good children and coal to bad ones, St. Nicholas only concerns himself with good children, leaving the bad ones to be dealt with by Krampus. St. Nick would leave good kids nuts, dried fruit, and chocolate, while bad children would wake to bruises from the switch of Krampus, or in worse tales, be stuffed into sack and dragged off to hell for his dinner. Krampus carries chains, thought to symbolize his bindings by the Christian church. These chains were said to be decorated with bells, and as Krampus thrashed against them, the sound of ringing fills the air. Krampus is also pictured with his bundle of birch branches that he uses to swat naughty children. In some versions, the depiction of the branches is actually a whip. He is also shown with a sack or basket with which to cart off bad children. The Feast of St. Nicholas is held on the 6th of December, and so the preceding evening of December 5th is known as Krampus Night, where the wicked devil appears on the streets. Sometimes accompanied by St. Nick, the pair visits homes and businesses. It is customary to offer Krampus schnapps, which is a strong fruit brandy. We're getting crunk with Krampus on this night. Greeting cards are also exchanged that depict Krampus and are filled with humorous rhymes and poems. These cards have changed from originally depicting Krampus as looming over screaming children or even pursuing curvy women. They now show more cutesy and chibi-like Krampus. Krampus is present in the folklore of Austria, Bavaria, Croatia, the Czech Republic, Hungary, North Italy, and many other European regions. Krampus has even tip-tapped his hooves over to American culture with his stints in popular media. The 2015 movie Krampus did a number on me personally, but he is also depicted in video games such as The Binding of Isaac Rebirth in 2014 and TV shows like The Venture Bros and American Dad. He is on sweaters, ornaments, cookie jars, and about any iteration you can think of. So this year, why not go wild and skip the Jolly Elf with his jelly-like belly and decorate your home with the Black Devil in his forked tongue? Just make sure to have plenty of booze on hand for when he visits. If you thought Krampus was a tough nut, just wait until you meet our next collection of holiday horrors. Almost like a demented Disney special, I'm talking about Gryla and her 13 Yule Lads, not to mention their human-eating Yule Cat. Gryla is an Icelandic terror, a giantess first mentioned in 13th century texts but not connected to Christmas until the 17th century. Her name means growler and she is apparently a sight to stop hearts. Depicted as enormous and repulsive, she is said to have the appearance of a decrepit old crone, with 15 tails, each of which holds a hundred bags with 20 children in each, destined to be feasted upon. She is said to have eyes in the back of her head, ears that hang so low they tap against her nose, a matted beard, blackened teeth, and hooves. The oldest poems show Gryla as a beggar, asking parents to give her their disobedient children. She can be frightened away or bought off by giving her food. Present-day Gryla detects children who are misbehaving all year round, and then comes down from her cave in the mountains during Christmas time to search through towns and collect these children for her meal. Her favorite dish is a stew made from naughty children and is said that she has an insatiable appetite. According to legends, there is never a shortage of naughty kids to feed Gryla. A historic passage about her says, quote, 
Down comes Gryla from the outer fields, with forty tails, a bag on her back, a sword in her hand, coming to carve out the stomach of the children who cry for meat during Lent. Suddenly a lump of coal doesn't sound so bad, does it? And does she work alone? Of course not! Did you not hear my tale of her rugged good looks? Gryla has been married three times. Her current husband is said to be lazy and spends all his time in their cave on the lava fields. Gryla also has dozens of children from her previous marriages, but aside from the Yule Lads, they are not really talked about. So let's talk about these Yule Lads. Sometimes called the Yule Tide Lads or Yule Men, they are the sons of Gryla. More pranksters than butchers, they steal and harass the public. They arrive one by one over the final 13 nights leading up to Christmas. They are known to leave small gifts in the shoes of children placed on windowsills, but if you have been naughty, you will receive a rotten potato in your shoe instead. Each of their names represents the way they like to prank. On December 12th, you can expect the arrival of Sheepcoat Claude, who harasses sheep but is impaired by his stiff peg-like legs. On the 13th, in comes Gollygock, who hides in gullies, waiting for the chance to sneak into the cow shed and steal the milk. The 14th brings Stubby, who got the short end of the stick on names because this Yule Lad is just abnormally short, and steals the pans to eat the crust left on them. December 15th, in comes Spoon Licker, who steals and licks wooden spoons and is said to be extremely thin due to malnutrition. Pot Scraper appears on the 16th to steal leftovers from pots. Bowl Licker falls on the 17th to hide under beds, waiting for someone to lay down their bowl before he steals it. On the 18th of December, you will meet Door Slammer, who likes to slam doors, especially at night, to wake people up. Following him on the 19th is Skyr Gobbler, who has an affinity to steal Skyr, which is similar to yogurt. Sausage Swiper shows up on the 20th to hide in the rafters and snatch the sausages as they are smoked. It doesn't get much better when on the 21st, Window Peeper shows up to look through windows in search of things to steal. Doorway Sniffer has an abnormally large nose and an acute sense of smell that he uses to locate leaf bread on the 22nd. December 23rd welcomes Meat Hook, who uses a hook to steal meat. Man, they were real original with these names. And finally, the Parade of Tricksters ends on December 24th with Candle Stealer, who follows children in order to steal their, their candles, which were once edible due to being made with tallow. These gaggle of fun-loving jokesters are not nearly as violent as their mother and are often nowadays presented as more benevolent little elves looking for a good time. Their whiskers and scary appearances have changed to have a bushy Santa Claus-esque beards and similar coat and boots. So while their mother poses a risk to all naughty children, these guys are like that weird uncle who comes to visit to eat everything in your fridge and tell you uncomfortable stories about their college days. Their pet, however, is another story. The Yule Cat is the pet of Gryla and is very particular about the clothes you wear. A huge and vicious cat, it is depicted as all black with glowing yellow eyes. This cat is said to stalk through the snow at Christmas time and devour anyone who does not receive new clothes to wear before Christmas Eve. The Yule Cat was used as a threat towards workers and children as incentives to finish their processing and weaving of the autumn wool before Christmas time. The ones who completed their task would receive new clothes as thanks, 
While those that failed to would soon be preyed upon by the monstrous cat. It is said to stand so tall it towers above houses and peers through the window to check out your fit. If you are found to be wearing old clothes, either you or your food will fill its gullet. This legend has gained much popularity with a song written about it by the famous singer Bjork and an infamous poem written by Johannes Kotlin. A part of this poem goes, he opened his glaring eyes wide, the two of them glowing bright. It took a really brave man to look straight into them. His whiskers sharp as bristles, his back arched up high, and the claws of his hairy paws were a terrible sight. He gave a wave of his strong tail, he jumped and he clawed and he hissed. Sometimes up in the valley, sometimes down by the shore, he roamed at large hungry and evil in the freezing yule snow in every home people shuddered at his name. Well, I hope everyone had a fun time in Iceland, but it's time to tuck our sweats into our snow boots and move slightly into the region of Upper Germany and Austria to find our next goal of the season, Porchetta. Now, if you did watch the 2015 Krampus movie, you saw a depiction of Prochetta as a demented porcelain angel, but the real deal is much more gruesome. Prochetta, or Perched, was a goddess of the beast and the chore of spinning wool in alpine paganism. In some depictions, she has two forms, appearing both as a beautiful young woman, white as snow, and as a haggard old crone. She is depicted as having one large foot, often referred to as a goose or swan foot, this large foot was thought to come from her constantly working the treadle, which is the large foot pedal on the bottom of sewing machines. This large foot actually led to Prochetta being the legendary inspiration behind Mother Goose. Prochetta was an upholder of cultural taboos, such as the rule around no spinning on the holidays. She is very particular that girls should have spun all their allotted wool for the year before the holiday. She was said to roam the countryside and enter homes during the 12 days before Christmas and Epiphany. She would know whether the children and young servants of the household had been behaving themselves. If they had, they would find a small silver coin in their shoe or pail. However, if they were naughty, a much more horrific punishment was due. If Prochetta found you to be on her naughty list, she would slit your belly open, remove the stomach and guts, and stuff the hole with straw, garbage, and other refuse before stitching it closed again. This was also the punishment if someone dared eat anything but the traditional meal of fish and gruel on her feast day. Prochetta is not said to work alone either. She has a gang of devil-like creatures called Strigali who partake of the feast offerings left out by people in hopes of gaining Prochetta's blessing for wealth and health in the new year. The Strigali are noted to steal from naughty children and also to throw them into the air before tearing them to pieces. It is said that you can protect your children by leaving out some food for them to feast on instead. Moving right along from stomach splitting and devilish minions, we are going to another well-known and rather fun Christmas time monster, Mary Laud. A custom performed in South Wales, those visited by Mary Laud will find themselves face to face with a rather gruesome but jolly specter. Receiving a knock at the door, homeowners would soon find their doorstep occupied by a horse skull on a pole, draped in cloth and ribbons, singing rhymes requesting entry to the house. The householders would deny entry again and again by answering with their own song and rhyme, until either the Mary Laud gave up and left or the householders relented and the horse puppet along with its merry band of accompanying men would be given food and drink. 
Once inside, the Merry Lod would continue its festive celebration by running around neighing and frightening children as its band of merry men played music and entertained the adults. The puppet could be made from wood or paper in place of the skull and also be fitted with a jaw capable of movement by pulling of a string and even glass eyes. The Merry Lod was seen as a communal event, and unlike many others on our list, a visit was treasured. The singing and camaraderie brought the community together. The custom is still practiced today, and Merry Lod is the subject of many beautiful pieces of art and pop culture. Our last and final ghoul of the season is actually a rather cute one. The Tanta are a little elf-like creature in Nordic folklore, living in the houses and barns of farmsteads. They protect the land and the people who live on it, so long as they are treated well. Described as being short with long white beards and conical hats, they are often compared to garden gnomes. They love to work and will assist in chores but hate dirty houses or stables and will become enraged if a farm animal is mistreated. Because they live beneath the floors, it is said that if you spill something, you should call out to warn the tomta not to fall in the puddle. If a Tomta feels it is being mistreated or disrespected, it may start pulling pranks such as tying cowtails together or tipping buckets. For their protection and assistance, the Tomta asks for only one thing. On Christmas Eve, it is tradition to leave the Tomta a bowl of Christmas porridge topped with a generous knob of butter. In the old days, butter was a luxury and only consumed on special occasions. The addition of the knob of butter in the Tomta's porridge shows him your respect and thanks him for protecting you and yours for the year. To fail to provide the porridge or even just the butter means inciting the full wrath of the Tomta. While they have been known for small rebukes such as a pinch to the ear, they are also capable of killing livestock, ruining crops, and even attacking humans. In one tale, a maid decided to eat the porridge herself and was severely beaten by the Tomta. The being swore, have you eaten the porridge for the Tomta? You have to dance with him. The farmer found her nearly lifeless the next morning. The Tomta are also said to deliver gifts at the door and is pictured in modern culture riding a pig to do so. To have a happy Tomta on Christmas is to have a good year on the farm. For all that we are told of the jolly Santa Claus and his coal and gifts, we must not forget that Christmas practices often have pagan roots. These old gods and beliefs offer much harsher punishments for misdeeds, but also bring about a certain spooky fun to the festivities. As we gather around the tree and grimace over another pack of socks, let us all be grateful for our health and happiness and the socks which will hopefully keep the old cat at bay for one more year. Well, that's all for this episode. So what do you think? What was your favorite monster? Do you think you've been naughty or nice? Which you'll ladder you? Let us know what you think on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and leave a review. The Otter Podcast is now on TikTok. Come follow us there. Have a suggestion for a show? Send me an email at theotterpod at gmail.com with your requests and whether you'd like me to mention your name, your alias, or nothing at all. Remember, this is the Otter side, so give me something cool, creepy, or confusing to deep dive for you. If you liked the show, leave us a review. They really help. From all of us here at The Otter, we wish you and yours a happy celebration of whatever that may be in this time of year. May you all enter the new year in abundance and plenty. The Otter Podcast posts every other Thursday. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on The Otter Side.